you can turn over in your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to begin over in verse 1 of chapter 9. There's a coffee pot that always seemed to be empty at a church office and the secretary trying to get it to be filled decided that she would try and help and remind her the staff there at the church to be a little more responsible. And so she put a note on the coffee pot and then it Note said, if Jesus drank the last cup of coffee, what would he have done? Go thou and do likewise. <laughs> Trying to get folks just to refill that coffee pot. Well, the next morning, she found another note scribbled and put up upon the coffee pot. It said, Jesus would have turned the water into wine instead of coffee. <laughs> well, we want to go out and do what Jesus did. We've been looking at the subject of healing. In the first 12 weeks in this, just reviewing some things, going over some maybe some new principles for, for people about the will of God to heal, about how God heals, about hindrance to, to healing, about what unbelief was, a number of other things. We reviewed a lot of that last week. But as we said, we wanted to get into this last section of this, and this is the section on the anointing and understanding that. In Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, this is a verse we read and did study before, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. We understand that the anointing would break the yoke. We looked at what this yoke was in the New Testament. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That the folks that he was around were used to a yoke being someone's teaching. That if you yoked yourself to a rabbi, you came under their teaching. And Jesus was telling them that my teaching, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. The yoke of the Pharisees was not. It was very difficult. It was very hard. You had a lot of laws to live up to. You had a lot of ways to please God and a lot of ways to not please God. And a lot of the, the way to get to God was not through faith and grace and mercy, but it was through works. And Jesus was teaching them something different. But it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And we spent some time talking about things that belong to us and how sometimes they are hard for us to get rid of. Things that we're used to. Sometimes we have aches and pains that we're just used to. And when they go away, we don't necessarily miss them, but it just seems something like is absent. Something's not there. And we almost call a thing back. And some people actually do. Not one here, but other places. They, they do that kind of thing. I heard someone once told me, that if the anointing breaks the yoke, it would seem good to us to do all we can to understand what the anointing is and how to get under it. Because if the anointing is going to solve our problem, then it sure is our responsibility to get out there and find out how do we get underneath that anointing. What is it that does that? Now, the first area we were looking at, there's a lot of healing that comes under the general anointing. And we spent most of our time looking at that. This section, we're really going to be looking at more of the specific anointings, the gifts of healings and so forth. But just to review for you, the general call, the general anointing for healing. We see it over in Luke chapter 9. Over at verse 1. Then He called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, 
when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jump down to verse 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So he sent them out here. Now we don't notice any particular anointing that he put on them. Jesus was anointed when he was baptized by John. We know the dove came down symbolizing the anointing that came upon Jesus. And Jesus was anointed on that day and went about to do the will of the Father. In Luke chapter 4, it talks about that anointing. We'll get into that uh, in just a little bit here. But there's no particular time when he puts any special anointing on these folks. He just says, look, go. Go out there and do it. It was a general call. And we all have that general call. We all have that general call to go out there and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's something for all of us to do. It's not something that you have to wait for some special anointing to come upon you. That is there. This is just a general thing that would go out. Some people would say, well, that's because they were the twelve. Well, go over to the next chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. These things the Lord appointed 70 others. After these things the Lord appointed 70 others. Sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. There's something about going out two by two. It's kind of nice to go out two by two because you get more strength from the other. You'll see that a lot in the book of Acts. They went out still two by two. Peter and John were out there. They were ministering. Paul and Silas, they were out ministering. A lot of two by two was, was going on. And you can continue to do that. Don't just feel like you have to go out on your own. Grab somebody else with you. So he sent them out two by two. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give you, or as they give for the labor, is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there. And say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works that have been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Tyre at the judgment than for you. And for Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. He who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So these are seventy others. He first 
sent out the 12. Then he sent out 70 others, two by two, told them to go into a city. They were supposed to stay there for a while. It wasn't like they went away in the morning, came back at nighttime. But when they did come back, they told of the things that had gone on and what they ministered on was really under authority. They told this demon to go because they had authority to do so. They told this sickness to go because they had authority to do so. They operate under that authority. This is the general anointing. This is the thing that all of us can operate under. Because we first had Jesus send out 12, then He sent out 70. And if there's any doubt that it's for us all to follow after, Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Later He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. And He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, all these things are true for today. It isn't just, don't just pick out one or two of them. All these things are true for today. If one or two are true, then all of them are true, right? If the Word is true, the Word is true. So he says, these signs will follow those whom I anoint. Those who have a special call. Those who I like better. <laughs> now, what's it, what's it say? Those who believe. So if you believe that Jesus sent you to do this, these signs will follow. Glory to God. In my name, they will cast out demons. See, he's dealing with my name. When you're dealing with the name of Jesus, you're dealing with authority. You don't need special anointing to deal with authority. All you need is belief in it. To operate under the authority of Jesus, you need to be a believer. You need to come underneath that name. You don't need special anointing. Special anointing is for other things. There is special anointing that exists. And we'll get into that. But when he says, in my name, you can do this. In the name of Jesus, you're operating under the authority. You're operating underneath the will of God. God has said this is so. God has said He wants this to go on. And you just bring that to be, bring it about. In my name, they will ask the Father and He will cast out demons. Oh no? You mean you don't pray to cast out demons? Of course not. Don't waste your time if you run into a demon possessing somebody. Don't waste your time praying to God. God says, what are you doing wasting time? I didn't tell you to pray to me. What does He say to do? Cast it out. Did Jesus ever pray to God? Dear God, take this demon from this man. No, He just said, come out. Just do what Jesus did. That's all. These signs will follow those who believe. In My name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Glory to God for praying in tongues. That helps us to Pray when we don't know what to pray. Get ourselves built up when we don't know what to get built up by. Glory to God. I thank God for praying in tongues. I'm out there trying to outdo Paul. Don't know if I'll get there, but... <laughs> he had a lot of time to pray in tongues. He walked a lot of places. He probably just prayed in tongues from one place to the other. I don't know that he did that. Get up in heaven, you can ask him. But he did say he prayed in tongues a lot. And it seemed to work for him. He seemed to have some good things going on. His revelation knowledge, his understanding of the Word of God was great. Power of God going on in his life was good. I'd rather follow in that example than some of these other bozos that are out there telling you praying in tongues has gone away. It's no good. It's not for you. And they got no power in their life at all. Why in the world do you want to listen to that? 
Go out there and listen to Paul. He's much more, much better to listen to. Listen to Jesus. Much better to listen to. Jesus says that if you believe, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now, some of you folks don't want to get close enough to a serpent to pick it up. Tom Pickens, he's down at school there with us. He's one of our teachers. I've often quoted him, but I love what he said about it. He's the guy who traveled out, out there with uh, T.L. Osborne and some others. Um, very very uh, powerful ministries he, he traveled with. And he said he'd pick up any serpent that's fast enough to catch him. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand you. I don't mind snakes so much. I just mind them if I don't know what they are. The, the lack of knowledge there doesn't matter. But here it says... You can pick them up. Don't matter if they're poisonous or not. We already saw Paul picked, or didn't really pick it up, but this snake attached itself to him. And he just shook it off. Just went about his business. So there you have people operating in it. Now, you don't have to go out there. We don't pass snakes around here in church. Not going to. We're not moving in that direction. Don't need snakes to to help us out. Y'all know one time in here we did have a snake. Y'all remember that one? Some of you, yeah, Bert held it too. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was an object lesson for anyone. It was in a box and she didn't know what was in it. <laughs> Let them know later on what it was. And it was a good object lesson, wasn't it, Bert? You still remember that, don't you? Glory to God, that's what an object lesson is supposed to do. <laughs> we had the kids in that day and that helped us out with that one. But uh, it was just a little garter snake. It wasn't anything harmful or or problematic that way. But just know. If a snake comes after you, you get stuck in a room with a snake and it's there, you can go over there and pick it up. What if it bites me? Don't make any difference. You have authority over that. So take authority over it. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Don't matter if somebody even poisoned you. It won't hurt you. If you believe. If you believe. These signs will follow them that believe. We've heard of missionaries that have gone into tribes and the tribes tried to poison them and they didn't die. They didn't know poison was in the food. They didn't know poison was in the stuff, but they came back told the testimony of it. That was a witness to those folks in the tribes. They said, they, you should have died. You didn't die. Your God's powerful. That, that spoke to them. So all these things are just as much true as the rest of it is. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So go out there, lay hands on the sick. Don't sit there and wait for, well, I, I found a sick person. Let's go get Pastor Steve. Let's go get this leader over here. Let's take him over to this meeting. Lay hands on them. Right there where you are. Get them in that place where they can receive. Just under the general anointing, you can do it. And there's a lot you can do under the general anointing. Don't sit there and try and find things you can't do. There's a lot you can do under the general anointing to heal. So look for what you can do. Just get out there and lay hands on them. Amazing what you can do with just a general anointing. So here we have that first he sent the 12, then he sent 70. And then here in this Mark chapter 16, he sent all of us. All who believe. Get out there and do it. So if you want to do the will of God, you've got to get out there and lay hands on the sick. And these other signs, things that will go on. So be out there and do that. Over in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they come out of the upper room and they see a lame man. Seen this lame man quite a few times. And they decide silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we give you. That meant they had it. You've got healing power in you. We told you before in the earlier part of the series. When you lay hands on someone, what goes into them? 
Healing power, not healing manifestation, but healing power. And healing power will have its work to bring about healing manifestation. But don't shut down that power once it gets in you. Keep speaking like it's there. Keep talking like it's there. You don't have to deny that something hurts. You don't have to deny that you're sick. There's no power in that. There's no power in denial. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in confessing what the Word of God says. Where it says you're going. What it says you have. Confess that. Well, we want to get into more of the specific gifts of healing. If the authority, the name of Jesus is so powerful, why in the world do we need spe- special gifts of healing? I don't know if any of you asked that question. But I sure have asked that question in the past. Why in the world have special gifts of healing if just laying on hands can do so many things? Well, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, we're just getting in here in the middle of it. This is where it describes the nine gifts of the Spirit, all of which are at work today. Understand, there's not seven or eight gifts of the Spirit. There are not ten, eleven, or twelve. There are nine. There's some people who like to add extras on, add other things into the list and make this into a gift of the Spirit. Some folks want to get into the gift of discernment. Have you ever heard of that one? There is no gift of discernment in the gift of the Spirit. There's a gift of discerning of spirits. That's seen into the spirit realm. But see, we want to get rid of some of that spiritual aspect of it. So we call it the gift of discernment. I just kind of know things. I just kind of sense things. I just kind of pick up whether you're right or whether you're wrong. And that's just ridiculous. Don't get into that. There is not a gift of discernment. There's a gift of discerning of spirits. And that's a powerful gift. That's seen into the spirit realm. Seeing spiritual entities at work. And when you see them, guess what you do? Ask God what you should do, right? No, if you see Him, if God shows open up your eyes and see Him, you take authority over that thing and get rid of it. You don't got to sit there and say, well, God, what should I do with this? If He's opening your eyes to see it, then He's opening your eyes so when you take authority over it, you can see where it goes and what it does. And I've heard stories of people that have had this operating in them and they've seen into the realm and they've taken authority over it. Neat stories. But anyway, we're not getting into all those gifts. We're getting into these, these ones right here. Verse 9 and 10. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts, plural, of healings, plural, by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. And to another discerning of spirits. And other kinds of things there. But we're going to look at those three there. The gift of faith. The gifts of healings. And the working of miracles. These all deal with healing. as And some can deal with other things. But certainly they deal with in the area of healing. And when you get into these things, they're good. I've heard it defined, Brother Hagin used to tell us, that the gift of, of uh, faith is just being able to, to know the end result before it happens. To know the end result before. You just are so sure. Smith Wigglesworth used to go out. I heard, it. I heard the number. I think it was something like 25 people he raised from the dead. I think that's the number I heard in, in his ministry. Just, I mean, one time he walks into the funeral parlor and the funeral's going on. And a man came in the back and said, Smith, you're here too late. And he said, God never sends me anywhere too late. Walks up to the front, grabs the man out of the coffin and throws him up against the wall. I don't suggest doing that all the time. <laughs> but you have the gift of faith going on and you know the end result. You can go ahead and do that. You're a lot more bold in, in doing that. Uh, just a simple general anointing. I don't know that I would necessarily operate that way. 
But he had the gift of faith that went on. Grabbed that man, threw him up against the wall. The funeral parlor started to clear out. People started to get out of there. And I heard him a number of times, I forget the number of times, a number of times, just slammed up against the wall. Live in the name of Jesus. Live in the name of Jesus. Now some of us, if we got to the point of being bold and we threw him up against the wall once or twice, that may have done it for us. I know he was doing it at least 12 times. I'm not sure if it was higher than that, but final time he threw him up against the wall. Live in the name of Jesus. And he blinked his eyes and he said, Smith! He's alive. That's a pretty neat story. We have a lot of stories of people who have raised people from the dead. Sometimes that takes a little bit more than just a general anointing. Sometimes it does. I can't say that it always does. But sometimes that, that can do that. And that's certainly where an operation that will go on. So to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Now in practice, we've seen this go on that some people just seem to, to have a greater anointing in the area of Getting blind people healed. Or deaf people healed. Or backs healed. Or whatever it might be. Some, they, they just seem to have that more go, more go on in their ministry than other things. And that could be some of the things that go on. You may have a gift going on in that area. But how are you going to find that out? Are you sleeping one day and all of a sudden God gives you a dream? You have a gift of healing to heal blind people. Well, you have authority on earth to heal blind people. Jesus operated under that. You can operate that way, but it may be that as you are out there laying hands on people, that you begin to notice that there's a particularly strong anointing in a particular area. That you can just feel more of the power of God, feel more confidence, feel something that's different in that area. Well, operate in it. That can be a gift of healing. And we all, in this church even right here, I mean, a lot of our folks are missing today, but in this church right here, you all, half of the church could have a gift of healing. But you won't know it unless you're out there laying hands on people. And you get out there and you lay hands on people. And you find out, you know, I got to... It seems that everybody I lay hands on that has headaches, the headaches go away. Every single one. Well, you won't know that unless you're out there laying hands on people. You know, I love the default that people have a special gift in an area. And somebody comes up and says, I have a need in this area. Oh, we have somebody who has a special gift. God's given them a gift of healing in that area. Come on up here and you lay hands on them. Sometimes we can do that. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit into another working of miracles. Well, miracles are different from healings. And then, you know, if a person doesn't have an arm, they don't need to be healed. Right? If they're missing an arm, they don't need healing. They need a new arm. That gets into the area of the miraculous. Apparently, God has that covered as well. But you won't know that you operate in these things unless you first operate in the general anointing. The general gift of healing. You've got to be obedient in that before He's going to put these things out on you. That's how He taught us about the gifts of the Spirit. You operate in the, in, even in the lower gifts, prophecy, things of that nature, and be faithful with it. Operate in the general anointing for healing. Be faithful with it. Whatever God gives you, be faithful with it, and God will give you more. He's, he rewards faithfulness. So get out there and be faithful. If you find somebody who's sick in the... In the grocery store, don't sit around there and say, well, I don't know if I feel real anointed today. I'll come back tomorrow. If they're still here tomorrow, I'll pray for them then. Come on. You're just trying to find excuses to get out of praying over that one. Quit it. Find excuses to pray for them. Just get out there and do it. Well, maybe they don't want me to. I don't know if you were sick. Would you not want someone to come up and pray for you so that thing would go away? Well, in Luke chapter 4, 
verse 16, Jesus reads off that, that scripture, and we've read this before, but we'll read it again, just to refresh your memory. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and eyed all, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now we looked at that scripture in more detail before. But Jesus knew that there was an anointing on him. An anointing to heal the sick. To do what the will of the Father was. There's an anointing that was on him. There's an anointing that can, a special anointing that can be on you. But you've got to be first off diligent and faithful with the first. Get into that area of the, of the first one. In Mark chapter 6, we read of people who rejected this anointing. In that story, in Luke chapter 4, they rejected it. But in Mark chapter 6, then he went out from there and came to his own country and his, his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So the mighty work would have been outside the laying on of hands. Operating probably in the gift of miracles, gift of faith, gifts of healings. But they shut that down because of their unbelief. So he went about, and look what he did. So he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Talks about their unbelief. Unbelief, as we defined it before, is the rejection of truth. It's not a barometer. It's not a thermometer to tell you how high your belief is. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. Most Christians are not rejecting truth. They don't know about some stuff. Ignorance is generally a greater enemy than unbelief is. I mean, how often do you hear something from the Word and God has said, I'm not going to accept that. That isn't too often. I know some people out there, other churches in other countries. Not here. But other places. You'll, you'll find that. But you all, when you hear the Word of God and you see it's in the Word of God, you're, you're out to believe it. You may not understand it, but you're more out to believe it than to disbelieve it. Unbelief, folks, is the rejection of truth. These folks rejected the truth that Jesus was anointed. Just flat out rejected it. But when He could do no mighty work there, He could lay His hands on a few sick people. So it seemed that even when the gifts were shut down, the special anointing was shut down, he could still go around in the general anointing and lay hands on people. That didn't seem to get shut down as quick. Now, it was only a few. It wasn't all that were there. Most of the other times, he's healing all the sick. Here we have him laying hands on a few. And he marveled because of their unbelief. 
Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Because he understood the way to get them out of this is to teach them and to bring them up in the way of the truth. If you look at the rest of Mark's passage here, he's going to go out and he is going to commission. We already read the story over in Luke, but this is where it is in Mark. He's going to commission and send them out. Because he said, alright, if you won't take it from me, perhaps you'll take it from these others. His, his goal is to get people healed. We told you this over and over again, but please understand it to be true. That God looks for reasons to get people healed, not reasons to keep them sick. He is not there saying, well, you haven't quite got everything fixed up in your life yet. I still want you to be sick till you get it all done. Jesus is out doing the will of God. He's got a group of people that have rejected Him, rejected what He's doing, and He still says, we're going to find a way to get you folks healed. And He lays hands on whom He can lay hands on to get them healed. He teaches whom He can teach to get them into to a position to be healed. And for the meantime, while they won't receive it from Him, He sends out those that are in the group, that in His group commissions them and says, you go out. And He sends them out and they go out and they lay hands on those so He can get some others healed. See, he's, find, he's trying to find a way to get you healed. He's not trying to find a way to keep you sick. He's not looking for reasons to disqualify you. We've told it to you over, over and over again. I hope you have this down by now. But how many people did Jesus, when a great multitude was brought up to Him, how many people in that great multitude did Jesus disqualify and say, you're not ready? He didn't do that. He didn't come up to some and say, you know what, you, God wants you blind. I can't heal you. Can't do that. He didn't come up to some and say, well, you're, you haven't quite gotten rid of everything in your life that you're supposed to yet. You need to get rid of this. Then, I, then come on back to the meeting. He doesn't do that. It, when they brought up a multitude, He healed them all. You would think if it's God's will for some people to be sick, that He could have run into one of them. I mean, just one. He said, you know what? God wants you sick. He's teaching you a lesson. Go back there and get all you can from it. But He doesn't find that. God wants you healed. Jesus came about to do the will of the Father. And this is the will of the Father. And so He's got all kinds of ways to get you healed. He's got the laying on the hands through the general anointing. He's got the name of Jesus through the general anointing. Authority. He's got special gifts. Faith. Gifts of healings. Working of miracles. If these other areas, the general ones, aren't enough, aren't what you need, aren't able to get it done for you, then we got these special ones. And if you won't accept it from this minister, he's got other ones. If you won't accept it from Jesus, well, that's fine. We'll raise up some other ones you will accept it from. I just love the way Jesus doesn't disqualify folks. In Acts chapter 5, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Verse 12, And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest there joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. So it seems that the apostles didn't stop when Jesus left. They kept on going. And it seems that some of these gifts are working in them because these were signs and wonders among the people. Verse 15, So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered for the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. So they just take them out, forget the prayer line at the front of the church, they'd lay them out by the roadside. 
just lay them out on the ground and Peter would just walk by. Wouldn't even lay hands on them. Wouldn't even say anything over them. Just his shadow would pass over them. And, and this would be done. When's the last time you've been in a shadow meeting? I mean, that's something else. Just his shadow walking by. That's a pretty powerful thing. To go, that's, that's a strong anointing. That doesn't happen with everybody. That's a special anointing work there. That was upon Peter. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now we've talked about this scripture before. God worked what kind of miracles? Unusual. Especially, that could be in there. Special unusual. It means that it's not common. But sometimes we treat this as a common thing. And, it, and we put it under the general anointing. I don't know that you can put this under the general anointing, but this didn't die with Paul. Didn't start with him, probably. Didn't die with him. It's still going on. But I would see that as more of a special anointing. But it's still going to go on. And, and God has a, this, this was God's way of getting people healed who can't get to the meeting. Now we've come up with other ways to get people healed who can't get to the meeting. They're not necessarily scriptural. But we have come up with some other ways, haven't we? How many times have you been in a meeting? Not you, you know, other people. Sit, people sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. But not you. And uh, they had a minister and they made the call for people to come on down. And someone stood up and said, well, so-and-so is not here. I'll go up for them. And they get up and they go on up to the front. And they go, I want to stand in proxy for so-and-so. They're not here at the meeting. And, and many times we've just kind of fallen in line with it. And we've laid hands on that person who's there in the front. In the name of Jesus, be healed or whatever it is that they do. And they go on by. Is there any time in the Word of God where somebody stood in proxy? We've come up with something brand new, haven't we? I'd rather just do what's in the Word of God and not come up with new stuff because we haven't done all that's in the Word of God yet. I think we ought to just work on getting that stuff down. We don't need to come up with new stuff. But there is a way that people who are not at the meeting can get healed. A couple of ways, actually. How many know people don't always get out to the meeting? And they can get healed. Well, one way is handkerchiefs and aprons. That was the way. Paul... It's, you know, so-and-so can't get to the meeting. And I don't know how they stumbled upon this. It was somehow they did. Maybe Paul was just ministering and the illumination from the Spirit came and he said, take that apron, lay hands on it and send it on back with them. And they did that. And that's how they found out. That's my guess as to how it probably came about. But however it was, God said to do it that way and they did. But when they did it that way, they laid this apron, they laid this handkerchief out in this person. They say, this came from the meeting. Paul laid hands on it and Paul told me to put this on you. And when I do, that the power of God was going to come upon you. That that handkerchief or apron acted as a battery. And the power of God went from the person who was in the ministry. In this, point, this case, it was Paul. And it went into that handkerchief or apron. And that handkerchief or apron held that power for a while until it went over there to where it was intended. And it was laid upon that person. The power went out of that battery into that person. That's the best way. To, I don't, don't know God called it a battery, but it's, we, we can relate to it. They didn't have batteries back in Paul's day. He wouldn't have called it a battery. But we can relate to that at least and understand what's, what's going on. But the power of God was transferred that way. But then we got into this stuff 
that we want to make requests and the people not necessarily know about it. First off, faith has to be involved somewhere and, and, and permission has to be granted as well. You can't just get up and, well, I got this friend. I've had this many times. People come up and ask me to pray. I have a friend and they need healing. Are they saved? No. Now, you can get people healed who are not saved. Please understand that. We've got, talked about that before in the Word of God many times. Unsaved people are getting, uh, getting healed. That's an evangelical tool. Just because you're not saved doesn't mean you're disqualified or anything like that. Glory to God for it. You can be unsaved and still get healed. But in order for an unsaved person to get healed, they've got to know it came from God. And not that it just didn't happen. Or that the medication they took just suddenly kicked in and worked. Now, it may be that an unsaved person will reject that Jesus Christ healed them. It may very well be. God is not concerned about it. If He's not concerned about it, neither should you. Don't concern yourself with that. Just get out there, lay hands on them. Bring them to the meeting. Whatever it is you need to do, get the thing done. Bring them the handkerchief or apron. And let them get healed. I sometimes tell people that are unsaved, that when they get healed, now you're responsible. God has shown Himself to be true. You're responsible to make a decision. Your healing doesn't depend on that decision. You're healed either way. But you've got a responsibility. God has shown Himself to be true to you. You need to make a decision which way you're going to go. And you can generally get people saved after their body has been healed. That's why God brought that in. That's something you can pray for unsaved people for. You can't pray for them for jobs. You can't pray for them for financial issues. There's no place in the Word of God that tells us that. But you can pray for them for healing. So get them healed. Work on them for that. But we get into this thing of you know praying for somebody. They're not at the meeting. They don't even know you're at the meeting. They don't even know you're praying for them. And you want God to, to work in that? God, The Word of God says that He will not share His glory. He won't share it. God wants all the glory. He's a little bit selfish that way. And that's okay. It's His glory. <laughs> he deserves it. We want to give Him all the glory. But you can't be bringing this... this uh, request and they never even know about it. You don't even plan on telling them because you're embarrassed. Not you, other people. You get embarrassed about it and you don't even want to bring that out. No, get out there. Let them know. If they can't make it to the meeting, then that's the way that you can do it. There were some other people in the Word of God that couldn't make it to the meeting and Jesus didn't use handkerchief or aprons. What did He use? He just spoke the Word. And it worked all the way across there. But generally, whenever that happened, the person who brought the request had some authority with the person who, uh, who was sick or ill. And it was a parent, uh, the centurion one time, he had a servant. There was some authority that was, was going on there. And this person was submitted to that authority. And they went out and they, they did that. They worked through it. Make sure you, we, we talked about this before. Make sure you work through the authority of the parents. You got a little child who's sick and mom and dad are against it. Against you bringing on the church, you got to work with that area right there. Get get that authority released because they have authority over that child. You may not like what they're doing with that authority, but they do have authority over that child. Generally, most parents, unsaved or like or or saved, love their kids, and you can convince them that hey, you know what? You got no other hope. This child's going to die. Why don't you bring them on out to service? Why don't you let me bring them on out to service? Why don't you submit to me laying my hands on them? Most parents, they get desperate. They'll do anything. Including that. But you've got to be bold. You've got to stand up with it. So, handkerchief and aprons. you got somebody who can't make the meeting, don't stand up there in proxy. Get a handkerchief or apron. Pray over that. 
Some people, they, they already know that's working in their life. You may not know if it's working in your life yet. But um, if you've been out there laying hands on other people, getting them healed, letting the power of God operate through you, I'd say, Father God, this is all we have right now. This is the only opportunity we have to get the healing power there. I'm going to lay my hands on this. I'd go for it. But understand it was an unusual miracle. It's not something that's just just there and you can just operate the same way that you do everything else. But you get in, you get stuck in a position. God, understand, God wants people healed. He doesn't want them sick. He sees sickness as being under the oppression of the devil. He wants to free them from that. So God's looking for every opportunity. And God says, you know what? We've never done that with you yet, but I'm ready to start with you now. Go for it. Yeah, lay hands on that handkerchief or apron. Get out there and do it. Well, it seems that you can receive from either the gifts or the general anointing any time. It seems you can receive from either the gifts or the general anointing any time if the receiver is in faith or ready to receive. I put in faith or ready to receive because the guy who was at the, the Peter and John minister to, who's at the gate, he wasn't in faith to believe for healing, but he was ready to receive something. That's what the Word of God told us. Get them ready to receive something. If you get them ready to receive, it seems that they can receive from either the gifts or the general anointing anytime. As long as you get the recipient. That's a big one. If you get the recipient to the point that they are in faith or they are ready to receive, I cannot find a case in the Word of God where it didn't work. If you can get the recipient to that place. That's the big one. Now, you can get them to that place a couple of ways. One, you can teach them the things you know. You all know things about healing. You all know things about Jesus being the healer. You all know scriptures. You may have not the greatest confidence in the world. You may say, I don't know it all. I know, don't know it as well as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. But you know some. Give them what you know. You know more than they do. Teach them. And if you don't com- you're not confident on what you know, study it so you can be get confident in it. Teach them. Get out there. If you can get them ready to receive, I can't find a case in the Word of God where it didn't work. That will give you some confidence right there. It seems you can receive from either the gifts or the general anointing any time if the receiver is in faith or ready to receive. It seems you cannot minister from the gifts any time if the receiver is not willing to cooperate with the anointing. This seems to shut down the gifts instantly. That if the receiver is not willing to cooperate with the gifts, it seems to shut down the gifts, no matter how strong they are, instantly. Unbelief. So if you can get people to stand in faith or to cooperate with the anointing, you can get them to receive. Just get them to stand in faith or just cooperate with the anointing. Just get them to that place and you can get them to receive. Healing, folks, is a whole lot easier than we've, we've given an opportunity for. Now, we got into a little bit of this last week. I told you we'll get into some more as time gets on. But how hard is it to get people saved? I mean, if you have somebody who comes to you and, and just out of the blue, say, you look like a Christian to me. I am. Can you help me get saved right now? How many of you say, yes? You have no doubt you can get them saved. Well, if the same work at the cross, same thing that Jesus did at the cross, remember the body is what got us healed? The blood is what got us saved? If the same work at the cross got us saved, 
the same work gets us healed, why is it any harder to get people healed than it is to get them saved? Why do we make it so much harder? We don't make it difficult to get people saved. We don't, well, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if the anointing's strong enough. I don't know if I was doing right enough here this morning. The same anointing, folks, the same work that got people saved gets them healed. We told you this before and we'll get into some things in the Word of God in it. You can know 100% if a person will receive healing or not. You don't ever have to wonder. The same way that you can know 100% if a person is going to get born again. Do you know what they have to do to get born again? You do, don't you? You can just as well know what they have to do to get saved or get uh, healed as to get saved. You can know it. Now, we gave you this as an example. Just give it to you again. Some folks were not here last week. They're here this week. But when Jesus had that man, lame man drop down in front of him, was there any doubt that Jesus was going to get him healed? Did Jesus have any doubt he was going to get him healed? He had no doubt, did he? In fact, he even said something a little bit antagonistic. Your sins are forgiven. Then he says, if, just so you know, I have authority on earth to forgive sins, which is harder to say. And he said to the man, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And the man rose, rose up, took up his bed and walked out. Did Jesus have any doubt he was going to get him healed? When Jesus sent the ten lepers back to get checked out, did he have any doubt they were going to get healed? When Peter and John came up to the lame man, did he have any doubt that he was going to get him healed? I can keep on going with many other references in Jesus. There was no doubt. If there was no doubt in their mind, they had an understanding of something that gave them that confidence. As there is no doubt in your mind to get someone saved, there should also be no doubt in your mind when you can get them healed. Now, Jesus also knew what to recognize that turned it off. Are there people that Jesus bypassed? Didn't he bypass a lame man at the gate that Peter and John healed? Had to buy. He was there for 40 years. I think that overlapped Jesus' ministry. When Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda, he came to how many people? One. How many sick people were there? Quite a few. He by he you know, stepped over. Excuse me. Excuse me. Stepping over this one. Stepping over that one. Excuse me. He gets over to one. Why? Because this one's in a position to get healed. Somehow the other ones were not. Or Jesus would have. He recognized that in Capernaum, the story we already read. Didn't He recognize? They shut it down. You can understand whether people are going to get healed or whether they're not. If you just understand the concepts, the laws, the principles of healing. You can know right away, this person's shutting it down. This person's opening up the door. You can know. It is our job as ministers of God's call to teach and help people and get in position. That's our job. Get people in a position. God knows when people are out of position and God knows how to get them back into position. And He wants to use you to get them there. Let them do that. Here's some ways to do this. First off, listen to what they say. Listen to what people say. I love some, sometimes... People come up and they ask you for prayer or something. I say, well, tell me what you want prayer for. Because again, if you're going to pray for people for healing, when if you go through the Word of God, how many times did Jesus call for the sick? How many times did the sick call for Jesus? It was more often that way, wasn't it? They brought 
the multitudes of sick people to Jesus. Jesus isn't out there saying, you know what? Bring sick people up. They just brought them. If you get to a place where you ask, and we got over that last week about the asking, but listen to what they say. They come on up and they, what do you want? And they'll begin to tell you. And they'll begin to speak. And they'll begin, and you can hear things. The more that you understand the principles of healing, the more you understand the laws that govern healing, the more you can hear what's in their way. Now, you don't hear what's in their way to put them down. Oh, you poor unbeliever. Oh, you poor excuse for a saint. You don't need to do that. That's not why God's showing you these things. He's not here to put it out. He's not there for you to go out after church, have lunch around the table and say, did you hear that person who came up for prayer? Oh, that was so funny what they said. That's not what God's doing. That's not why you want to hear what they say. Just keep it to yourself when you hear it. But when you, if you let people talk, they'll tell you some of the hindrances that are in their life. They may not know that they're hindrances. But they're going to talk in such a way that you can hear some of these things. We'll get into some of the uh, principles of healing and laws of healing and help you out with that. But listen to what they say. Listen to what the Word says. Hear what the Word says. Get them to believe that. Get them to act on what the Word says. Get them to line up with what the Word of God says. Get them in that place of being a believer. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. While you're standing there and ready to pray over someone, someone's come and asked you for prayer, the Holy Spirit may tell you things. may say, what about this? Look at this. How about this spot here? Look at... Listen to them. Holy Spirit's going to help you. You got the Holy Spirit, you got the Word, and you got that person telling you some stuff. You'll be able to find out what it is that's hindering this person. Now, you may or you may not be able to get them past it. But go after it like you can. Go after it like you can. Well, you can receive healing through a couple of ways. This is uh, probably nothing new to you. But you can receive healing through your stand. Your stand. If you get sick, you wake up sick on a Tuesday morning. Woke up, had a fever, a cough, sneeze. Woke up, that didn't go to bed that way, but woke up that way. You don't have to wait till Sunday church or Wednesday night church to get prayed for. Glory to God for that. Because you need healing Tuesday morning, right? You all go to work Tuesday. You need healing Tuesday morning. I need healing now. You've got kids to watch. You need healing then. I want to get healed now. I don't want to wait until Sunday. You get a cold on Tuesday. It could just go as a natural course. And you can be well by Sunday. You want to get healing then. So there's your stand. Stand on God's promises. Stand on what the Word of God has said is yours. Use the name of Jesus. You have authority over that. In the name of Jesus. Take authority over that sickness and disease. Command it to go. You've got that that you can do. So there's your stand. There's others' hands. You can have someone else lay hands on you and receive healing. Or someone else speak the name of Jesus. Command a thing to go. They can do that as well. So laying on a hands or through the name, but you have other, others' hands. So you're standing in others' hands. The other one is, or a demand on the gifts. Make a demand on the gifts. You can put a demand on the gift of God. And we're going to look at some things on how to do this. Because it's important for you to know how to put a demand on the gift. You put a demand on the gift, you draw of that. The woman with the issue of blood put a demand on the gift. And she got what she wanted. Jesus wasn't even involved except that He had the power in Him. Put a demand on the gift. So there's your stand, others' hands, and put a demand on the gift. 
Demand that gift. Get that thing. It belongs to you. God wants you to have it. But not only does God want you to have healing, He wants you to minister it. He wants you to begin to walk out there and minister in that general anointing for healing. And then as you do that, you will find specific gifts that you have in that area. The Spirit of God is going to teach you. The Spirit of God is going to lead you in such a way. But if you don't start working in the general gift, you're not going to find the specific gifts that you have, the specific anointings that are on your life and things that will go on that. But they're there. God wants it. God wants it there. It should be a lot more common in this country, in this world, than it is. A lot more common. Because God desires it. The way we look at it right now, you find one out of a thousand that seem to be operating in some kind of a gift in the area of healing, miracles, faith. It shouldn't be that way. God wants these things to be common. He wants people to go after it. Well, I'm not planning on going to Bible school. I don't know that that... It don't matter. God didn't say these, these are for people to go to Bible school. These are, first of all, the signs and marker for those who believe. But the gifts of the Spirit, folks, are for all. Operated them. Operating the, the ones Paul said, prophesy. Get into that one. He calls that one the lower gifts. Tongues and interpretation. But operating these things. And as you're faithful with that, God's going to put more on you. But God wants to put these things on you. He wants you out there ministering to the world. Don't sit there and say, well, my life isn't perfect yet. I can't minister healing until my life is perfect. Did Jesus, when He called the twelve, say, wait a minute, hold on, wait. Peter, you're, you know, you got to get these things fixed. When you get this thing fixed, come on back, I'm going to send you out. He didn't grab the 70 and say out of the 70. He didn't first off grab 140 and disqualify 70 of them. He grabbed 70, qualified 70, sent 70 out. Stop finding ways to disqualify yourself. You're more qualified than you know. It's not your righteousness to get us, to gets it there anyway. Peter and John had a great defense before the council. And they say, why do, or before the people. He said, why do you look on us? As if by our own power or righteousness, we have made this one to walk. It's not because of your righteousness. It's not because of any power that's on the inside of you. It's because of Him. You're just a minister. You just are one that power flows through. That's all. Let the power flow through you. You get it from God, it comes through you. That's it. You're just a vessel. Just always look at it that way. But God wants more vessels. There's a lot of sick people out there. You know, if we, we ought to take care of this country's health crisis just by laying hands on people. It wouldn't be a health crisis at all. Hospitals would be empty. Nurses would be unemployed. <laughs> that may not be so good. Huh? No, you all be happy with that. Get people operating in divine health. Get people operating getting healed off of these things. We're going to be looking at, at these aspects here in the, in the weeks to come. A couple of people wanted hands laid on them here this morning. Well, as we told you before, you get hands laid on it. don't matter if you feel healing power come into you. It doesn't matter to us if we feel healing power go out. Only one time in the Word of God people said that it felt to go out. Only one time in the Word of God people said they felt to come in. All the rest of the time it's not mentioned. It don't matter. All you need to know is that the Word of God says that when you ask for prayer, hands are laid on you, healing power comes into your body. And you maintain it from there. Every time something wants to remind you, it's not right, it's not, it's not going right, healing power came into my body. <laughs> and it's at work in me. And you keep that healing power going. And you don't let anything else go on in, in your head, in your thoughts. You stay with it that way. You keep maintaining it. In the name of Jesus, healing power is at work in my body. Bring it about. 
the results I need. Healing manifestation. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your desire is that we are healed. And that we walk in health all of our days. But if we're not walking in health, healing is there for us. I thank You, Father, that You don't look for reasons that disqualify us. But You look for ways to get healing power to us. If we won't accept this minister, you don't sit there and say, well then, you just take it. You just walk that way. You'll find another minister. You'll raise up somebody else and send them along. If we're ignorant on something and we turn down finding it here, you'll send another one along our path to teach it to us. Because you desire that we become healthy. You desire that we become whole. I thank you for your desire for health, for healing in our lives. And that we not just walking in this world to get over one sickness or another sickness, but Father, that we're to go out and lay hands on others. That you'll bring people along our path that we can lay hands on and see them healed. And then even receive Jesus. If they're not born again, just to go right in and say, now that Jesus who just healed you is also here to save you. And just as sure as He heals you, He'll save you. Father, I thank You for the results that we'll see. To bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the healing power of God. Use us this week. We desire to be Your ministers. I work for You. Operate in the general anointing of healing. Knowing that specific areas are going to come about. Specific callings. And we thank You for that too. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.